It's Tuesday, December 3rd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. There's good news and high optimism that there could be an HIV vaccine as soon as 2021. Three experimental HIV vaccines are in the final stages of testing, and it is promising that the trials have made it this far. And the trials are focusing on different demographics in different parts of the world. Tim Fitzsimmons, reporter for NBC News, joins us for why scientists are more hopeful for a vaccine than any other time since 1984. Next, Congress is gearing up for a chaotic December. House and Senate members are currently scheduled to leave town by December 13th, but are planning to stay until late December to finish legislative work and get ready for the next phase of impeachment. Lawmakers have until December 20th to pass spending bills in order to avoid another government shutdown, and the House wants to vote on impeachment before Christmas. Jordan Carney, Senate reporter at The Hill, joins us for more. Finally, McDonald's is getting into the chicken sandwich wars with its latest offering. It's a fried chicken filet topped with butter and pickles. A deluxe version has tomatoes, lettuce, and mayo. Kate Taylor, correspondent at Business Insider, joins us for McDonald's big play in the effort to compete in the new battlegrounds for fast food, chicken and breakfast. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Statisticians who look at these questions see that if you were to distribute something that was that effective to as many people as possible around the world, the transmission rates would start to crater everywhere and the epidemic would start to wind down on its own. Joining us now is Tim Fitzsimmons, reporter for NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Glad to be here. There could be some very good developments in the fight against HIV. We have three experimental HIV vaccines that are entering the final stages of testing at different places across the world right now. And we could be seeing some results as early as 2021. But as as I said, the next few years are going to be very optimistic for a lot of people that have been working on this for some time now. Tim, tell us what we know. What we know is that there are three trials ongoing right now. They're all in the late stages, which means they're being tested in humans to see if they work at preventing HIV. They already know and believe that they're safe. So now it's just the proof of concept. The three trials are HVTN702, and HVTN stands for the HIV Vaccine Trial Network. There's another one called Imbocodo, and there's a third one called Mosaico. They're all a little bit different, but HVTN702 is the closest to a vaccine candidate that almost worked. It was called the Thai trial because it took place in Thailand. And that's the last and only time any HIV vaccine had any impact on the transmission of the virus. And it found a 30% reduction in HIV transmission of people who had that vaccine candidate. And they're thinking that this new one right now could be getting closer to about 50%. We're talking about the optimism of these things, but experts are really saying that any partially effective vaccine is a huge breakthrough. It would be a win for everybody on that front. (laughs) One of the things people don't realize about HIV is it's actually very hard to transmit. It's not like a flu or meningitis where you can contract the disease by kissing or by sneezing. We really need blood or fluid transfer. So in terms of what the percentage efficacy that would have an impact on the epidemic, on the transmission worldwide, experts I spoke to, like Dr. Susan Buckbinder and Dr. Anthony Fauci, they both say that something between 50 and 60 percent would likely be sufficient. So even if any of these three vaccines is at least 50 to 60 percent effective, there's a high chance they will be licensed and distributed around the world because the statisticians who look at these questions see that if you were to distribute something that was that effective to as many people as possible around the world, the transmission rates would start to crater everywhere and the epidemic would start to wind down on its own. 
the HVTN trial, we could be seeing some results in late 2020 or early 2021. What about the other two? I know that these two are a lot more similar in what they are, but the Imbocodo yeah. trial, that one's dealing mostly with women, right? So Imbocodo and Mosaico are basically two sides of the same coin. They're very similar. They use something called a mosaic immunogen, which is basically they've tried to figure out what are the ways we can train the immune system to create a killer attack on HIV because, as we all know, regular immune systems don't kill HIV. It's Your body doesn't get rid of it on its own as it is right now. So Imbocodo and Mosaico, Imbocodo is different in that it only is enrolling women. They completed enrollment of 2,600 women this past summer. They're all from Southern African nations. These women are extremely high risk of HIV in all these countries. As Dr. Fauci told me, it's if you want a group of people who you can find out if a vaccine is working well, it would be in women in Southern African countries. And then the second one, Mosaico, is just beginning to enroll men who have sex with men, gay men, in the United States, Canada, Europe, and South America, and Latin America. And that essentially is almost the exact same vaccine as Imbocodo. It's just a slightly different injection regimen. So you basically, the person would get a different sort of immune booster at some point in the various shots that is hypothesized to perhaps be a, a little bit better. And how do those treatments work? There's a lot of different shots you got to get. It's, these are multiple injections. It's not like just one thing and then they monitor you. This is over the course of a long time. And like I said, multiple treatments. They'd be about six vaccinations, six shots, essentially, over the course of a year. I think that's really where a lot of the investigation has been looking at over the past few years since the failure of the Thailand vaccine trial, because that one almost worked well enough. So they're sort of looking, they've been looking at ways to boost the immune response so that when you get the injection, your body is able to make enough and sufficient and the correct immunogens to kill HIV, which, of course, the body doesn't do on its own. It's actually very hard to create a vaccine for any disease of the body body has no history of clearing. Yeah. You know, with polio, some people got over it. Other things that have been cured, there was something to look at. But in this case, they're sort of guessing. What about some of the stuff that's already out in the market? I've been hearing a lot about PrEP. There's also this other stuff, treatment as prevention. Mm -hmm. What do we know about these? Basically, both are ways of using HIV medications. The quickest way to describe it is if you are at risk of getting HIV or you have HIV, taking a pill once a day of HIV medicine will mean that you either can't get it or can't transmit it in sex, even if you don't use condoms. And that's a huge, basically, revelation for many years, decades, almost 30 years, where the only scientifically approved prevention method was a condom or just not having sex at all. So with doctors now knowing this, they're able to give much better advice and they're able to focus on testing people, getting them on HIV medication if they're positive, And that is known as treatment as prevention. So when someone has HIV, they have the pill once a day. Chances are very high they'll become virally suppressed because of the strength of the medications we use today. And at that point, they can't transmit it in sex. Tim Fitzsimmons, reporter for NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Democrats have talked about before Christmas being sort of a rough timeline for holding an impeachment vote. But beyond that, they've also got a government funding deadline on December 20th where they either need to pass all the fiscal year 20 bills so you've sort of got a little bit of a collision course timeline-wise between those two yeah. things. Joining us now is Jordan Carney, Senate reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. We are in the final work weeks of the year for Congress. Everybody's scheduled to leave town by December 13th, but members are already making plans to stay a little bit longer, a little closer to Christmas to get 
all the stuff done that they need. There's a lot of things going down. And obviously, we know the impeachment inquiry is underway. That's sucking up a lot of air there on Capitol Hill. Jordan, tell us what lawmakers still have to get done before the month is over. So you mentioned probably the biggest one. Democrats have talked about Christmas or before Christmas being sort of a rough timeline for holding an impeachment vote on the House floor. But beyond that, they've also got a government funding deadline on December 20th, where they either need to pass all the fiscal year 20 bills or another short term spending patch. So you've sort of got a little bit of a collision course timeline wise between those two things. But then you've also got sort of your running laundry list of, you know, Republicans really want to finish up negotiations on the trade deal with United States, Canada and Mexico negotiations between Democrats and the administration so they can finally get the ball moving on that and ratifying that agreement up here. You've got a defense policy bill that has passed for almost 60 years every year, which is sort of stuck in this fight over the border wall. And then you've got things like the Violence Against Women Act is stalled over in the Senate. You know, Democrats are talking about election security legislation. So you sort of got another round of sort of -of run-of-the-mill things that lawmakers want to get done. But like you mentioned, they've got very little time. So let's go back and kind of talk about each of those a little bit more in Mm -hmm. depth. Impeachment, obviously, we're handing this over now to the judiciary. That's kind of the next thing that's happening. They're, They're eyeing a vote by Christmas to see if there's articles of impeachment written. They want to put that to a vote before Christmas is here. And they've still got a few steps to go through before they can do that. First, the House Intelligence Committee is supposed to vote on a report that sort of summarizes its findings from the weeks of public hearings and the weeks of closed-door depositions tomorrow. So that's sort of step one. They're then going to send that report to the House Judiciary Committee, which is supposed to have its first public hearing on Wednesday. And the administration there has said that they're not going to participate in anything and obviously continue to call it a whole sham and all that. They're not going to have any part of that. The Committee Chairman Gerald Nadler sort of sent out an invitation saying, let me know if you want to participate in this. The White House said Sunday night, we're not going to participate. So kind of back at square one, but they're going to have that hearing Wednesday. It's unclear at this moment if they're going to have additional public hearings. That committee is also responsible for drafting any article or articles of impeachment. They've got to draft those. They've got to vote on them. And sort of only then does it go to the House floor for a full vote. So they've got two maybe three weeks, it's 15 days to sort of go through all these steps. The government funding, we all know last year we had a shutdown. Lawmakers have until December 20th to prevent another shutdown. There just seems to not be a lot of confidence in passing everything that they need to. I guess there could be a kind of mix where they'll pass some of the easier spending bills and then continuing resolutions for a lot of the other stuff that they could not decide on. Theoretically, they need to pass all 12 fiscal 2020 bills if they want to sort of get everything done. That is a lot for Congress in two or three weeks, given sort of the track record so far this year, where it's been pretty slow on getting these bills moving. You know, one option is they could just do another short-term spending bill, another continuing resolution for everything, all the 12 bills, and punt. One option that's sort of been floated is that they combine full fiscal 2020 bills for some of those 12. So maybe like the big ticket items like defense and labor and health and human services, and then they sort of CR the rest of it until some point early next year. There's not like a hard concrete plan on what option they will end up going with. It's, even though we're sitting here talking about how they only have 10 or 15 days left, right. and sort of in lawmaker terms, it's still too early to settle for them on a potential option. The president talks a lot about 
the trade deals were getting close possibly to passing the USMCA, the US-Mexico-Canada <laughs> agreement. But a lot of people are afraid that if this gets pushed past the end of the year, 2020 politics could strike and really complicate the issue even further. Yeah, you've had Republicans up here on Capitol Hill sort of making that message for months. You know, They were hoping to get this voted on earlier this year. They really wanted to get a floor vote for ratification up here in October. You just had Senator Chuck Grassley, he's the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, come to the floor and warn that if you can't get a deal this week between House Democrats and the administration, he doesn't see how the deal gets ratified in Congress this year. So if they're going to get that done this year, and I think that's sort of a fairly big if, they've got a very, very tight time frame for getting an agreement between Pelosi and the White House. Jordan Carney, Senate reporter at The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. McDonald's is seeing that their chicken sandwich right now can't measure up to the competition. And people have been seeing Chick-fil-A do so well. And McDonald's franchisees have been asking the company, hey, when are we going to be able to have a chicken sandwich that can compete with Chick-fil-A and now that can also compete with Popeye? Joining us now is Kate Taylor, correspondent at Business Insider. Thanks for joining us, Kate. Thank you for having me. The last time we had you on, we were talking about the Popeye's chicken wars with Chick-fil-A. Now McDonald's is getting into the game and they're going to be testing a crispy chicken sandwich and a deluxe crispy chicken sandwich, but it's very limited just now. It's going to be in Houston, Texas and Knoxville, Tennessee. What do we know about this chicken sandwich in particular? What we know about this is using an entirely new chicken filet that McDonald's has used before. So obviously McDonald's has had chicken on the menu for a while. The most interesting thing about this is we know that McDonald's has been under pressure to get a better chicken sandwich and This seems like their test at doing just that. And that's so important, that chicken filet, because when we talked about Popeye's, I mean, one of the big problems with them selling out was that that filet that they were using, that particular one sold out. So whatever company they were using to get all those, they just, you know, obviously didn't correctly anticipate the demand that ended up happening because it went so viral. But that is the important part right there. As you said, McDonald's has other chicken offerings. So this is going to be very key. It was super interesting because when we had these chicken sandwich wars earlier this year, just a couple months ago, McDonald's said even though their hamburger sales were up compared to other companies selling hamburgers, their chicken sales were down because there were other options that people wanted to try. So McDonald's is seeing that their chicken sandwich right now can't measure up to the competition. And even before these kind of recent discussion of Popeye's, They kind of knew that. People have been seeing Chick-fil-A do so well, and McDonald's franchisees have been asking the company, hey, when are we going to be able to have a chicken sandwich that can compete with Chick-fil-A and now that can also compete with Popeye's? Okay, so tell us what this new chicken sandwich is going to look like. What is it going to have on it? So we've got two options. We have a simple one that's looking very Chick-fil-A-esque. That is a apparently slightly sweet bun, chicken, and then pickles. And then there's a more deluxe version, which also has tomato, lettuce, mayo. So that's kind of the deluxe. And then you have the simple one. So the biggest change isn't necessarily the add-ons. It's the chicken itself. And that, and I think the other important thing is that it's going to be served in a little foil bag which is kind of like the way yes. Chick-fil-A and some other, so, you know, and, and Popeye's does it. I mean, this is almost like, this is our direct competition. This is our fighter in the wars kind of thing, especially since they're stylizing it so similar. It's something that 
McDonald's hasn't made a huge thing about a chicken sandwich before. A couple months ago, they tried a new spicy barbecue chicken sandwich. Basically, the buttermilk crispy sandwich they already had on the menu with a new sauce. So this is kind of represents them going back to the beginning and kind of starting from every level where new chicken, new packaging, hopefully new chicken sandwich that can compete (laughs) with these major rivals. (laughs) Yeah, I had that spicy barbecue chicken sandwich and I wasn't too impressed. As you said, it was basically the same thing just with a new sauce and it was just a little jumbled. I didn't really like it too much. But they've been looking at getting into the chicken market for some time. They're also planning to roll out chicken at breakfast in the coming year also. I've seen at my local McDonald's some things like a a chicken McGriddle and things like that. But what are we expecting for them in the way of breakfast? So I got my hand on some internal documents that said that they're launching chicken at breakfast. At this point, we know that McDonald's has chicken at breakfast, whether that's the McGriddle or something else at about half of its stores in the U.S. So we don't know exactly what it's going to be. And it's kind of interesting that they're keeping exactly what it's going to be so under wraps, even internally. So my bet is that this new chicken that they're testing could play a role in their breakfast rollout. If this does well, maybe they're making some tweaks to their chicken more generally. Maybe they'll use this new filet. I'm not completely sure, but I think it's kind of interesting that they're testing this right before they roll out breakfast next year. It's so interesting the way McDonald's operates. Obviously, they're so iconic. I think they are the largest restaurant chain by sales. So when trends start happening, they're usually reactionary versus kind of taking the lead on some of this stuff. So even on the breakfast side, Wendy's is launching a breakfast menu that's going to include a honey butter chicken sandwich. So they're seeing what other people are doing and they're trying to get in that game and obviously hoping that their submissions will be better. But this is the battleground right now for fast food is breakfast and chicken. Wendy's getting into breakfast is also something that McDonald's does not want to work out. The last time Wendy's tried to add breakfast to the menu, McDonald's basically kind of smothered it where in areas where Wendy's was testing it or had added it to the menu, McDonald's just slashed down the prices on its breakfast menu. So people were like, well, McDonald's is cheaper. I'm going to go there. (laughs) And Wendy's ended up having to cancel its breakfast rollout at the time. So this time Wendy's is coming out, they were kind of bring out the big guns. They have these new menu items that are supposedly really good. I haven't tried them, but our taste tester has, and she highly, highly recommends them. So I think that'll be really, really interesting because McDonald's definitely needs to come in with some interesting menu items and some really good deals coming into the new year. Have we seen any reaction yet on social media or anywhere else about how these new McDonald's chicken sandwiches taste? I've been poking around, and since it's a pretty limited test, I haven't seen a ton. A couple of people were saying that it's not super impressive, but it's a little bit of an upgrade. Um, so I'll reserve judgment until I taste it myself or until I see more people. But this doesn't look like it's something like when Popeye's rolled out a right. chicken sandwich. I know when people tried that for the first time, they were saying, this is incredible. Like, this is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had, even before there was a huge social media movement. So I don't see it getting quite the Popeye's reaction. But honestly, if it's an upgrade, then I think that that is something in and of itself that is a big move for McDonald's. Kate Taylor, correspondent at Business Insider. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.